we're fucked already. Like millennials, we've fucking gone through the GFC. I think we were at a better age for the G. If we were five years older for the GFC, we've been and double things, fucked. Thing, but... Things are worse now. Yeah, things then. are definitely worse now. And, and so we're not talking about it as if we're, we're talking about it as if it's some temporary thing. Um, more unemployment than the Great Recession. I mean, it's already beginning. It's we're we're in basically seeing months. this rebound where they're sitting there going, people are getting back to work, things are getting better. And it's like, okay, but you're also handing these stimulus money to these large companies that are propping themselves up with it. You've got to understand that at a certain point, all of that comes to a head. Whether or not we get another round of stimulus or not, I think that the next I election is going happen. to. I, I don't think it's going to happen either. I Pelosi think if lost Trump it. wins, like, I think he's going to push it through. She could have gotten it's so how you prop much. The economy up. She could have gotten so much out of CARES one. And then she said all this bullshit about, oh, when we do cares too, like she was shitting on Jake Tapper for like, oh, hey, excuse me, like no, that's not gonna, like, and then we're gonna do it in cares too, all right? What the fuck is cares too? Like p- millions of people are being left out to dry. Like we're gonna have an eviction oh, yeah. crisis, like uh, the likes of which we we've do. never seen. Yeah, oh, we do it's have happening. one. Exactly, it's happening right I'm now. I'm living at it's my parents' house. Yeah, well, true. Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah. That's that's. That's way a to bring different it up, kind of evi- well, that's a different kind of eviction in the sense that, like, you know, that's not like, the police isn't coming up to no, serve and protect, mm-hmm. you know, what they were meant to do, you know, private property. No, I get that, and I'm yeah. like, I'm a, I'm a very positive case in that sense because I had the ability to leave. I'm not, I'm not someone with a wife and three kids who's sitting there going, okay, where are we going to go? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, the, there's shortages in shelters. Thirty-five million people are up for eviction or facing eviction or, or close mm-hmm. to it. And nothing will be done about it because it's a profit margin. It's It, it comes down to the money of it. You can't, well, it, it's going to be that rhetoric. Well, if we if we keep these people from, from you know, trying to take the money owed to them, then what's going to happen to those people? <laughs> that's all they're going to do. That's, well, that's someone the take well, of the landlords. I've got some. I've got some news for these landlords. Like, like any, like any investment, it comes. Everything mm-hmm. comes with a downside risk. Unfortunately, pro- property is seen in a light where people, no matter where you go in the world, they always expect it to go up, and it normally it always does. Which is why people, which feed, you know, that's why you have that feedback sure. loop. And when shit shit hits the fan, since the economies are so dependent on a property market, a mm-hmm. the government won't let them fail. Because if they fail, then <laughs> they're fucked. And B, if uh, the if they if you don't support landlords, well, get a lot of landlords aren't actually single owner landlords. They're usually corporations or a conglomerate that own a bunch of uh, buildings and properties, and they manage them. And they I mean, have they don't a lot need of them power. To be filled. Well, and the, the yeah, weird they don't thing need that, them to be full either. The thing that's I moved out of I moved out it. of Boston because mm-hmm. the the rents were going up so crazy high. Um, I had condos being built next to me and there would be these luxury condos, $3,000 bedrooms, and they would be 98% empty. Yeah. Cause who can afford that? Why would yeah, exactly. you? And especially I... because these places are cookie cutter. I mean, I'm not going to go and spend $3,000 on a month, uh, on a place that has walls that I'm going to lean through. <laughs> That's just the way it works. I mean, the same thing's happening here in Vermont, uh, up the road from me. There used to be an apple orchard up there. And now it's all houses. And the reason for that is just because they it's it's money. It's it's money that you're missing out on. You've got all this land, put some houses on it. And they just throw these things up. The same thing happened when I was in 
Texas. When I moved to Texas, I was looking at pipes hanging out of the out of the ground. And when I moved away, it was a whole fucking sprawling neighborhood. It blew my mind. I was like, those places probably suck. And they're probably super expensive to live in. And it's happening everywhere. And the weird thing about it is, is that our government is on the one hand, it's it's emboldening these property owners to rentivate. And that rentivating is just gentrification speeding up. I know people who are landowners here in Vermont who have gotten as much as $40,000 from the government during the pandemic to renovate their apartments because that means more housing. And more housing is good as far as the government saying, and that's as far as it goes. It doesn't matter if before that apartment was renting out for $600 a month and after you gave that guy $40,000 to put into it, now it's coming out at $1,500 or $2,000 and it's priced out anyone who literally lived in that neighborhood anyways. That's not part of the discussion anymore. It's simply more houses, let's get that shit going because more houses equals good. Yeah, yeah, when we talk about having a housing shortage, where meanwhile there's something like two yeah. empty empty homes for every homeless person in America. Yeah, there's more there's more homeless or there's more homes than homeless. It's been like that since 2012, I think. It's been it's been that way for a very long time now. Uh and we we do nothing about it. Although it's, we did remember in the pandemic well, <laughs> they started housing homeless people into hotels and stuff like, "Wow, well, mm-hmm. we we somehow mustered the will." The hotels. How is yeah. Ben Carson yeah. not more in the news right now? Right? I haven't heard anything about him. And I mean, we're in crisis mode. It's uh, 51% of Floridians up for eviction. 58% Tennessee. West Virginia, 59%. It's in the 50s now? It was in the 40s like two months ago. Was that in Florida? It's in the 50s? Is that just because of the... uh... 51% of people up for eviction in Florida right now of renters. I, I can't imagine anyone who would want to buy housing in Florida anyways right now, especially when it's like the argument on climate change is like, eh, we'll get it. We'll figure it out. It's like, uh, uh, why don't those people, people just move? Aren't, aren't believing in climate change, by the way. If you are building your house by a shore and the climate changes and the, uh, why won't they just sell their house and move? I don't, I don't we'll understand. Ben Shapiro on. Yeah, I was just saying, Ian Shapiro, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> no, that's a literal thing he said. Listen. Yeah. yeah, he also was talking about how his wife Guys, we're talking about doesn't big need to be ideas, wet. Okay, big ideas. That's a big Good idea. Day. I'm gonna make a Ben Shapiro. I'm gonna get Weird, Weird Al Yankovic to make dry ass pussy and make it about Ben <laughs> Shapiro. <laughs> I mean, he basically already did it himself. I know. Just oh use sound clips. Somebody auto tune that fucker. Where is this? <laughs> Why hasn't the internet got on this yet? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. No, I, I watched. I watched it. I think <laughs> I watched a video. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it came out like the day after. <laughs> Yeah, they put it to music already. What an Uh, idiot. His wife's a doctor, for Christ's sake. uh, We're just being like uh, Donald Trump now, making fun of Ted Cruz's wife. You know, it's just the same shit. Is it? it. Listen, if I had had a billion dollars to my name, I would probably be more careful about what I said. And to be honest, we're making fun of Ben Shapiro because he has no understanding of the concept of wet-ass pussy. That's basically it. That's, that's why we're making fun of it. It's really so, we're we're talking about all the important stuff today on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Nas is agreeing. He's he's completely. I think he wants to chime in about yeah. um, wet wet ass pussy. Nas, you got any thoughts on wet ass pussy? In relation I to the economy, in relation I, I, to the economy, like it's yeah. got to be in context. I think it's going to only be positive for the economy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't have anything to say about Weta's position right now, but I, I do want to say something about the house, the housing situation. Um, Boo. I, 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 <laughs> oh, look at Daz, we're all serious. 
All right. Cool. <laughs> trying to keep the light here today, man. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the 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 empty apartments and and all of these big um, corporations that owning uh, massive luxury condos, but they're not really bothered about them being half empty. I also, if you've like walked along Manhattan or you know driven along Manhattan, you would you'd see like all of these hundreds and hundreds of empty storefronts and you you start to wonder to yourself like why are these um landlords rather have these storefronts empty and not just rent it out to a small business for uh for whatever and still make some money out of it instead of just being sitting there for for because i've seen empty storefronts for months the the reason is because they can these people that they have um they they have like i don't know like very rich very well paid accountants on their payroll who at the end of the year can claim taxes on all of these empty apartments it's a loss and, yeah yeah as a loss and they'll make back more money than they would uh renting it at a loss so yeah. they rather have it empty than than rent it out to a small business yeah. or rent rent their luxury condo for a cheaper price because they and would not only make that they won't do it cheaper money. it's gonna no. lower their property value so that's I love that our entire economic system is made the fuck up exactly they can't access yeah. more equity if their property values go down so they need to keep their property values high and if they and they do that. They maintain that value by not renting it out, which makes no fucking sense, right? Mm-hmm. It, in but that's how the accounting of it works. <laughs> like it's the way just, it works. That's the way business yeah. works. Is is you you can just it, it's not only there, but you also can like bleed out your opposition in a certain way. You know, I mean, look at uh, am, look at the stuff Amazon does in terms of like corporate business. My favorite thing is, um, you know, how how Amazon gets away with not being considered a monopoly. I find particularly fascinating the sort of things that they do because basically all they do is say, no, 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 Amazon's an open market. So if like, say I start a backpack store, I can put my backpacks on Amazon and that's an open market. But what they don't tell you is the thing where Amazon creates an algorithm to put their backpacks in front of my backpacks. And eventually they're selling the same type of backpack for cheaper and they're undercutting my business until they bleed me dry and I have to sell to them. Now, technically that's a, still my own business, but now I'm owned as a subsidiary of Amazon. So now you're just getting the illusion of choice despite both of them being owned by that one company. It's the it's the fucking diapers.com debacle. I don't know if you know anything about that. Um, I'm, I'm not subscribed to it, Rory, like you are, but yeah. <laughs> I, listen... <laughs> I can go anywhere. Mountain, subway, <laughs> doesn't matter. My toilet Leak comes roof. with me. <laughs> yeah, nice. Why don't you pour this blue liquid into this? <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> I never understood why it was blue liquid. Like, why? why did because they blue? can't make it red, Nabil. Because they can't make it red. People will get upset. <laughs> but but that's the reality of it, though. It's like, oh, yeah. 100%. I was a very confused young boy when I was like <laughs> watching these commercials. It was like a six-year-old or seven. Like, what? Is, what what's, what's this blue yeah. shit that's happening? <laughs> but, I mean, long story. Yeah. I took a weird time to step away and come back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Like, I, I sort of shifted the losses from housing into how larger corporations get away with um, sort of... Uh, skirting tax. What I was gonna. The whole point was the Diapers. way Amazon. Well, the way Amazon did it was because um, they tried to get Diapers.com. They tried to purchase that, and Diapers.com was like, 
Hell no, we like our business. We're making lots of money. So the next day on Amazon, if you went to their website, it was all about mothers and maternity and what they were doing to support moms. And what they were really doing was undercutting diapers.com over the course of the next six to eight months. And Amazon took a loss of 110 or $120 million in the process, which again is something they can write as a loss. But the end result was that they bled the owners of diapers.com dry to the point where they were forced to sell and they picked it up at a song. So now they've recouped all of their losses, but that doesn't mean that they still couldn't write off that $100 million loss over the course of those six months. They got what they wanted on both ends. That's why it's they've not been brilliant. paying any taxes because every every business model they touch, they go at it in, in you know making a mm-hmm. loss, and then they retroactively get those taxes back because and it's not only that, making a though. loss. It's not only that. It's the same thing of what happens with sports franchises and um, their stadiums. Uh, the thing is, is, is they sort of they sort of have a stranglehold over these various cities. Amazon does it in the same way, except instead of it being a uh, stadium, it's one of their factories. And they sit there mm-hmm. and they look at somewhere like Queens, like they tried to do, I think it was a year or two ago, where they said, listen, you're going to give us rights. You're, you're going to give us, uh, you know, ease taxation on the land and on our utilities and on everything. You're not going to make us pay for that. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring 250 jobs to this area, 2,000 jobs to the state. We're going to bring this sort of infrastructure in for you. You want us to come here because if you don't, your constituency is going to be so fucking pissed that you let these jobs go that your state desperately needs. And we're going to bring them to Illinois. In Illinois, they're going to give us this kind of fucking deal and this kind of contract. And they do that with everybody. It's a race to the bottom. Yeah, basically. Yeah, this is this is the same thing. Well, and half the time, isn't it? It's it's something along the lines that where it'll end up being they lose more money in lack of taxes than if they just paid those people income. Yeah, for those Mm -hmm. jobs that sure. Yeah, it's it's the same. Supposedly being created. It's an optics. Same concept as breaking breaking all sorts of laws and just paying a fine and taking a settlement. Like it's, oh, when business. you move a whole oh, corporation yeah. somewhere, yeah, all those jobs magically spring up out of the town they're located in too. It's not like people relocate. Oh, sure. And, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, is that it's it's the argument of, is this really not super detrimental to the area in it of itself, especially when you bring something that close? Uh, it's like uh, it's like the songs they used to write about having to go and you know, having to go to the company store, you work at Walmart and now Walmart is going to go ahead and you're a cashier there, but they're going to give you just enough hours where you're part-time and not full-time. And because of that, they don't have to give you benefits. So now you're not making as much money as you should, despite the fact that you're working 39 hours a month or or a week, sorry, a month, that'd be fucking great. Uh, 39 hours a week. And so they're not giving you those benefits. And now what are you going to have to do in order to survive? Why you're going to have to take your salary and you're going to have to reinvest it back into Walmart. You have to buy Walmart. Walmart stuff. And they're probably already giving you a discount, not a discount at such a level where they're not making a profit off of you still. So they're getting your labor and you're going back and you're buying their products. It, it well, sort did, of didn't they literally uh, pay people in Walmart gift cards at one point. I'm sure they did. And when they I think they it got shut down or they tried to at least. Walmart does some of the shadiest shit in the world. It was up until I think 2001. They had this thing. It was called the dead peasant policy. Now, if you don't know what the dead peasant policy is, I'm sure I think that's what it was called. It has like a more legal name. 
in essence, for every worker that works at a, at a major conglomerate like Walmart, they were taking out a secret life insurance policy on you so that if you died while you were a worker at Walmart, and oftentimes after you had already been let go or quit or moved on somewhere else because that life insurance policy still existed, they would reap profit from your death. And there was a very, very popular suit that happened at the turn of the century um, in which the this woman thought that she was going to be getting a payout on her husband's life insurance policy when he unceremoniously died while working at Walmart one day. And the company took that $350,000 life insurance policy for itself and didn't give her shit. And she sued them. And I believe it went all the way to the Supreme court. I believe she actually won. And because of that, they no longer have these policies anymore, but that was, that was a, uh, a main thing that they'd been doing since they began. And that was a way that they were making money off of the suffering and deaths of their own employees. So they were making money threefold off of their employees, which is pretty. I mean, it's not up. a new it's not a new concept. Like this, no. this existed no, back no, no, in no. the day from the the Pullman Car Company in Illinois, mm-hmm. where he just basically built mm-hmm. the whole city around his company, and everybody sure. lived in the houses he built, paid rent to him, yeah, bought stuff from the shops that he built. Like you know, your whole life, you could not the whole commerce was based off of Pullman making money from uh, yeah. every single part. On paper. Like, yeah, you paid genius. your workers, but your workers put that money right back in. Yeah, it's it's a fucking brilliant model for profit until you realize just how morally reprehensible it is. I mean, it's just <laughs> the worst fucking thing I've ever uh, heard of in my life. Uh, but, but what are you going to do? I think that's the thing that, that bothers me, especially when we talk about you know things going forward from here. We're going to see such a large swath of the American workforce trying to get back into the workforce after having been sort of sidelined by everything that happened this year. And the sad, sad fact of the matter is, is that it's going to give so much more power to these large corporate entities because they're going to have such a large pool of workers to choose from. You're going to start Especially with the move to the sort of precariat class, uh, these uh, contract employees like Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know this is absolutely, and I think the thing that's scary about it too is in the sense that and that's this not was only all... it; they're exporting this whole model to the rest of the world. Yeah, so now it's just been eating up left and right in the developing world too. This whole like freaking capitalism on steroids of just you know it's it's beating things. There's along. less regulations in those places, so they they're actually having a field day in those parts of the world. Oh, it's going to get so much worse too as these as as they stop adopting and start embracing it. Really, you know, I mean that's adoption. It's just my fun way of saying it. It is depressing as I can. Uh, it's it's the thing that I think that scares me more than all of that is the fact that none of this also takes into account the future of automation as well, because that's going to start pushing things along as well. And a lot of these jobs where you're sitting there going, well, you know, I was a facilities manager and I have ten years experience, but what I really wish I could do was take this loss and turn it into a win and go for uh, a director's position. Unfortunately, now, uh, because of like that large pool of workers that I was just talking about, instead of having to go up against, you know, say 15 other people, now you're going up against 50. And it's not just that position, the one below you, that manager's position, there's 150 people going out for it. And those coordinators positions, you've got 250 people going out for it. And it went from being, this is an entry level position to now you're going to need one to two years experience. So when you're a fresh graduate, how do you translate education into experience? You should be able to, that's what you just went to school for, for Christ's sake. But those 
those uh, corporate interests are not going to see it like that. Who are you going to take for this manager's position? Someone who's got five years experience or that 45-year-old guy who absolutely has to work for another 15 years and has 15 years of experience and he can't go anywhere. He has to have this fucking job. You got yourself a lifer. You got exactly what you want. And as the side of the as the hirer, you know, the employer, you're going to look at that as being an even more advantageous position now than what it was a year ago or two years ago. It's all the cards are in your hands now. And throw in the fact that that we don't have Medicare for all, it makes it harder for people to transition. <laughs> exactly, because right now people are quite literally tied to their jobs for health care, mm-hmm. and that's a scary uh, thing the, for Middle America. Well, absolutely, the ones who have their jobs, the ones who don't, right? They're you know, let's not even get into Cobra right now. That's right. Another, well, eight hundred fifty thousand new jobless, uh, new unemployment claims this week. It this has week, been above yeah. eight hundred thousand every week since March. Hey. Mm-hmm. You're 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 reporting it wrong, dude. We're finally below a million. All right, say it right. <laughs> you we don't know. Are, we are about. under a million new jobless. That's great news. Claims. All right, that is great. News. Well, truth. the entire system of capitalism relies on there being unemployed pool of workers. Yes. Yeah, a permanent underclass. That's yeah. or else why else would you have that? competition that's necessary to it it would not work unless you you can say if you don't do this if you don't work Mm. for this amount of money i'm going to give this job to that person over there and the problem is is that jobless pool of people does not fit the job the lack of jobs or the job shortages we have Mm -hmm. no i get what you're saying and i think that uh you know i feel like ian's very exasperated like you just like you know just hear him just (laughs) I you can hear very feel it. I can feel it coming from your voice. He's just like trailing You're, off like I can't say it anymore. <laughs> he's over there tying a length of rope. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Hey, guys, do you think the third story is high enough to jump from? I don't want to look away from this shit. <laughs> if I Dude, aim my neck on the railing that's... just right. <laughs> no joke, though. Um, I haven't looked into the numbers, but like my, I, I have read in passing that suicide and mental health and all this shit is through the roof. Way like, up. yeah, that's been way the big, the big crisis. Um, one of the downsides uh, among many of kids not being in school, um, quite sadly, throughout all this was s- teachers not witnessing students and being able to report. Um, Every teacher, public employee, really, police officers, firefighters, nurses, too, are all uh, what's called mandated reporters. So mm-hmm. if there are, uh, is there suspect of abuse going on with a child, we are mandated um, by law to report on that. And because students were not in school, there were not teachers um, to witness abuse happening to these children. So even child abuse was skyrocketing throughout the covid uh pandemic especially during the quarantine stage Mm -hmm. well i remember reading a statistic about that where they said it was like for every two people who were directly affected by covid because of the sickness you had one other person who was affected in some other way just because of all of the unseen consequences of what happened that's probably very much what you're talking about for every for every two victims of of covid you had this one sort of off exactly yeah it just amazing to think about how everything sort of ripples off of something like that. It's just, uh, yeah, way to bring us down, Ian. That really, really brought me down. <laughs> well, I, that, that just makes me worry about like the because the economy is obviously 
it's it's not his own thing. It's really tied down to the human psyche, psychology, like you know how someone's feeling at that moment. If you're coming out of this, like people depressed, yeah, just you know, just you know, just beaten down, downtrodden, like no hope, no, like just all those negative feelings. You're not gonna get a very productive worker if that person finds work a and that person isn't going to be making that much money so i don't see a recovery really happening for half of the country like it's just no and i don't think that that necessarily matter i mean i think that the biggest misnomer for a lot of people is thinking that economic prosperity or prosperity in the stock market is is a reflection of the average person's personal prosperity and it's just not true anymore especially when you can look at something like i i think the interesting thing about covid has been a lot more people have been getting personally engaged in the well-being of their own finances, which I think is a very positive thing. Uh, but at the same time, that still doesn't mean that I think 80 or 85 percent of our entire market is owned by that one percent of richest individuals. Yes. Uh, so it, it's always the argument of will things get better in terms of our economy or worse? I'd say that the biggest identifying factor is in national debt. And we're starting to see that our debt is starting to grow larger than our own country's GDP. And that's not necessarily an indicator of bad things to come, but it's not a good sign. But uh, mm. I think I think I think that's a good wrap for we can always talk about the economy more. It's going to get worse. I feel like In this it's economy? not going to get better. The, the U.S. Oh. economy, the global economy. We're already propped up. It's already yeah. propped up. So it it's just so, all made up. The real question just becomes about when when are the stakes going to get pulled out from under it and ever they're going to let it yeah, drop. Yeah, it's not even if. It's just yeah. a question of when. Like it's the when. dollar is devaluing as we see mm-hmm. it. Like it's just Well, like, as we move away from the petrodollar, we can always exactly, talk about that right. OPEC and all that. We and got to go in of- on the Iraqi dinars. <laughs> it is the future, I'm telling you. <laughs> Please dump don't do all like of your that. assets and put it into the Iraqi dinar. <laughs> I got my uh, I got my, my my dollars diversified. I got some drop Fuck Bitcoin. here. Uh. Fuck <laughs> Bitcoin. DNR is where it's at. Uh, if you guys want to re- um, learn a little bit more about um, how money has been evolving with in regard to the dollar and the Bitcoin, I recommend reading up on a couple of um, essays by a person named Robert Breedlove. He's he's been tying up. Um, I might I might discuss the dollar at some point in terms of the economy with with him in uh in context i'd love for you to guys to just check if you, if you don't want to read it he actually talks about his papers on youtube so just have a have a look at that he he, he lays it out there and kind of ties down to what this like he doesn't really go political he's very mm-hmm. technical as to what is happening to the dollar and how and we can tie it down together with foreign policy and domestic policy as to how what he what his thoughts are but i can totally see the u.s dollar not holding up for that much longer in the near future unless 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 we have a major war and then the u.s wins again although otherwise i can't because if you think about it all 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 expansion global expansion or empires have been about getting your money other people to start using your financial system. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's basic. all OPEC really was. Super yeah. interesting. I mean, to put it really simply, for anybody who wants like the the quickest of crash courses, anytime a barrel of oil is traded between two countries, they must first convert its value into United States dollars. <laughs> <laughs>
That's, yes, that's yes. A but simple, like I was saying earlier, that's changing a lot. Like Russia and China mm-hmm. are doing a lot of swaps in just sure, yeah. classic barter, not yeah. even currency. Like I'll give mm-hmm. you oil, you give me this shit. Like yeah. straight up, it, and but it's hurting the dollar. It's definitely hurting the dollar. The dollar is the the use of the dollar is going down, and the value is also going down because we're printing. I like I like how they call it quantitative easing. It's just a fucking printing money. Yeah. And it's gonna have to go burr. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. gonna, <laughs> and it's gonna have an inflationary effect sooner or later. I don't know how they're hiding all this stuff. Why just... Germany? <laughs> That's where we're going. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, well, oh, and oh, how oh. many other economies are completely tied to ours, and what happens with them when ours mm-hmm. falls? They're exactly. going to pull in certain aspects. Well, that's of their why debt. that's why you see a lot of other countries hedging now and making deals with China because they see it. They mm-hmm. completely see it, and they're like, "Fuck! If America goes down, they're taking us with them." <laughs> we, or, we well, climate if, change if, ramps up, and none of this matters because it's all going to crash anyways. Yeah. You know what, guys? This has been the last episode of Progressive Rants with climate change <laughs> and shit. So we, <laughs> that's <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> There's no point. Great. <laughs> no one said we were optimists. Uh, I mean, I am. I'm optimistic about. Our the demise. Destruction. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. That's the only thing I'm optimistic about. I'm a glass half full guy. We're fucked. <laughs> it is going to be something to witness. That's for sure. And we're going to see it. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think anything, the I fires, have no the floods, the hurricanes, everything. Like, there's no way. If pe- I can't pandemic. understand how. Yeah, pandemic. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like, our, our immune systems are going to get worse because we're force-feeding all these... Um, chickens and goats and cows with antibiotics just to keep them alive long enough so they don't die on themselves like i think 62 days is the number of days a chicken needs to be yeah yeah so we're filling these guys up with all these antibiotics which they are you know these viruses and these becoming resistant yeah more resistant and Mm -hmm. not only that in the case of viruses not even affected yeah yeah, exactly not even affected (laughs) and then yeah, we that. we've not we've actually this pandemic might just be a blip on the screen if you think about it, like from what uh, is mm-hmm. possible. The one thing I keep talking to people about in terms of COVID specifically is I go, hey guys, the Spanish flu didn't happen in 1918; it started in 1917, and a year later, that's when everybody fucking died. And it's rumored to have started in it might have Kansas started earlier, or Kentucky or something like that. Yeah, like the, the U.S. The apparently Spanish U.S. flu. U.S. It, uh, it was called the Spanish forces. flu because they are the ones who talked about it. And yeah, it became popularized in the media because they were like, hey, this is going on. Hey, let's blame someone else. All right. Spanish flu. Did you yeah. know more U.S. soldiers died in World War One from the Spanish flu than from active combat? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. World War One so, sucked. Yeah. Like, that's got to suck. Like, your son, and it was for nothing. I yeah, spent was, so many times trying to understand what World War One was about, and I hate to say it, when Trump's called them a bunch of suckers and losers, kind of. <laughs> like, what the fuck were you fighting for? We're gonna get some emails. <laughs> well, that uh, true. We're gonna get some emails. We'll, we'll invite all those people onto the show because yeah. it's okay. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nas will Not listen yet. to it. At least we have. Well, he's part of the show. I guess he doesn't count. Well, he was at a World War One memorial. And what a <laughs> fitting place to be! Like these idiots signed up for war. <laughs> but you have to understand the context no. of that time as well. That's when that's when we had untethered capitalism and colonial expansion at the same time. 
It was mm-hmm. like it was there was no one major power. There were a bunch of major powers. And that's why it happened. That's why it happened. And I feel like we're going as the US recedes a bit at, as time goes. I don't care what any other American says who's like very hawkish, like get your head straight. The US does not hold as much power as it used to even like 10 years ago. There's more players on the world stage now. Which is why you're seeing alliances with, like, say, India and Brazil, because the U.S. understand that, like, if these guys aren't with us, these are major populations that, if they're against us, is going to fuck us over. And see, that's what scares me, though, is because, to what you're saying, the future of American dominance can only come through military expression as we fall short in all these other areas. We're not going to be as economically sound. Our education is falling. You know, our mortality rates in certain areas rise. Uh, the only way that we are going to maintain any strength on a global scale is going to be through using our military to express that. And that's when shit's going to start getting fucking scary because that's where money, I'm telling you, you look at Vietnam, we made a, sh- I mean, corporate interests made a shit ton of money off of Vietnam. And what is America but corporate interests? That's well, where the future is. Iraq too. Uh, yeah, it, oh, that money does not translate to anyone besides the corporate no. interests. It does not equal prosperity, of course not. But it, it equals prosperity for the people who have control. To put my tinfoil hat on for a second and use those <laughs> words. But that's that's how it that's how it comes about. I mean, you know, it's gonna be again, the, the the second shit started to go off, I immediately put money into Smith and Wesson and I'm gonna put money into Lockheed Martin because I know that's gonna be a safe bet in the future. It depresses me, but it's true. I don't see how it's not we just you though. That's, that's how everybody thinks because that's what makes financial sense, mm-hmm. unfortunately. That's that's the truth. If I can say anything about the way the market works in America, at least, it is run by fear and greed. And war is an expression of both of those things. Always keep that in mind. Thank you, Nabil, Ian, and Rory for that um, insightful discussion on the economy and the housing situation in America. Again, it's it's very difficult to cover everything um, in one episode, or even even like probably even five episodes. There's there's a lot more to come regarding these uh, discussions. That's it for episode four, and we'll be back again for episode five. The, all three of them, and they'll they'll cover foreign policy this time. So definitely tune back in for that one. Also, I would like to implore again everyone to leave us a review wherever you're listening to this from and subscribe to us on the various platforms. Thank you again. This is me signing off. Goodbye.